Hi, this is Pat from the Bridges team. Do you ever eat or drink more calories than your body needs? Do you ever feel you ought to exercise but don't do it? Do you ever know the right thing to do but stop short? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you will know without a doubt that you are a citizen of the human race. We begin the new year looking into the next element in the Bridges DNA, renewal, with our eight-week series titled Life's Healing Choices. Listen in as Pastor Ron King shares from Jesus' words how we can begin to shake loose from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups to live in freedom. Morning, church family. Really, really good to be with you. Got plans today? Um... Listen, we don't want you alone, so if you later on are looking for a place to see the Super Bowl and eat a lot of good food, you're welcome to our house. We've got, we're going to have a lot of food and neighbors and stuff over, so um, Sue doesn't know this, but she's looking shocked over there. Hey, feel free to come over. We're going to have a great time, and uh, if you'd like to talk to us afterwards, we'd love to have you. And um, if you'd like, football's not your thing, and you know, you'd like to go to a frozen party, um, Pastor Nate is throwing a little frozen party over his house. Isn't that right, Becca? Totally welcome. It's a little party for their daughter's birthday. And so Pastor Nate will have a little frozen princess outfit on, I'm told, and it's going to be great. So you just talk to Nate afterwards. It'll be sweet. Ah, we get to get into God's word, and I hope you're inspired and encouraged. Actually, I think that that's his appointment for you today. Um, whatever happens later on, the thing that will last, I think, for you, praying, is what happens right now in this moment where we're considering the voice of God speaking into us and calling us to himself and strongly encouraging us by his word. And so I, I trust and pray that that will happen to you. Before I was married, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who was also single at the time. And uh, we were talking about one day the kind of the dream of having kids and he told me adamantly, you know what? There's a couple of things I will never do. I'm never going to change a diaper. That is just gross. And uh, I could never give my kid a bath. That's like women's job. I'm looking at him like, you're, you're, you're serious about this, aren't you? You've got some serious things to learn about, like married life and how you raise your kids, right? You're going to dump that all on her. And um. And then the blessing came. I got married, and after a long wait, we had our first child brought the child home. They don't bring them home with instruction manual things. You know what I'm talking about, parents? It's like, oh, my goodness, what, what just happened to me? And we have this little child, little baby, you know. And, and sure enough, I discovered that babies can stink. <laughs> it, it's true. They can really smell. And, and then you, you, you either have to dive in or your, your wife's looking at you like, okay, I'm not doing the whole thing. And so you have to dive right in, and then you're, you're cleaning your little baby up for the first time, maybe, and they're looking at you like, what in the world are you doing to me? And then you have this romanticized version of how that first bath is going to be, you know, and you take your little baby, and you're clumsily trying, okay, don't drop the baby. It's all slick and everything, you know, and you're like, don't drop the baby. And, and you get it, you know, you're, you're hosing it off. Actually, we didn't use a hose, okay, just so you know. <laughs> And you're cleaning your baby off, and, and, uh, and they're looking at you like, what, what? 
But later on, they, they start to enjoy the bath. At least our kids did. They're splashing and stuff. And you recognize there are certain things you should do at a bath when your baby boy is naked and in warm water that you have to watch out for. <laughs> but the, the end of it is, you know, that Johnson & Johnson smell of a clean baby and you're sniffing their hair and you're like, oh, that's good. This morning, my dream for you is that you would you walk out of here really smelling good. That you would experience cleanness. And the cleanness that only the Lord God of heaven and earth who has loved you and given himself for you can give, can provide for you. That you would recognize that, wow, um, I stink. In a good way, by the way. And I need his cleansing in my life. I, I need to address those things that are, that are broken, that are unhealed, that are sick within me, that are dead. And that only God can revive. We're in this series of life's healing choices and really they're responses to God who has initiated everything. Initiated this good, healthy work for you to draw him to himself and, and, to, and to clean you up and to provide you with purity. And in this series, it's connected to some of the Beatitudes, that those first opening crazy wild statements in the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes. Um, actually, it's not just the attitude, right? It's the action, and it's the, the state of being inside of us. And he says in Matthew 5, 8, blessed, that's not just, it is happy, joyful, but a, a deeper sense of that, a, a life that is lived this way will, experiencing the, will experience the touch and the blessing of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? Um, does it mean like I have to do a series of things in order to get myself clean? What, what is it when God says, blessed is that kind of person? How do I be that? Because I know in my experience this week, that wasn't so much me. Be honest, really, I wasn't so pure. I was in consistent need. Let me just speak this word, and you're going to hear it again in the message, but it's a powerful word. The mercies of the Lord are new every day. Yeah, isn't that really good news for you? The mercy of God is new for you right in this moment, fresh for you, to clean you, regardless of the mess that you've gotten yourself into, regardless of the sin that separates you from God, regardless of what you have been involved with in your thought, your speech, your conduct, God loves to bring purity into your life. He loves to do that. And the context of this message that, that we find that beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, is the Sermon on the Mount, this fantastic message that many people, if they can say anything about the, the message of Jesus, it's found here in the Sermon on the Mount. And um, the message is a little bit surprising. It, the whole message isn't maybe what you expected. The message communicates that there's things in your life that separate you from God and you are fully incapable of your own stuff to be able to fulfill the expectations of God and the holiness he wants for you, the purity he wants for you. You are unable. 
And, and he takes it really to, to farther extremes. He was speaking to a mixed crowd, but many people felt like they were pretty good. They weren't that dirty. And so he gets very specific and says, no, listen, it's not just that you had, don't commit adultery, but have you ever in your thought and your heart thought about being sexually impure? Have you ever had lust in your thoughts the way you thought about somebody or treated someone else? Yeah, then you're, you're impure, you're guilty, you're guilty of sin. Every one of us this week wrestled with our purity, right? Whether it's your sexual purity or the way that you treat other people, your greed, your selfishness, long list of our impurities. And the point of the Sermon on the Mount is that every one of us falls short, but it doesn't leave us without hope. And I hope you don't walk out of here without hope, hearing a message of condemnation, because in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. There is hope and healing and, and purity for you. You can walk out of here smelling good. And that's, that's the good news, the wonderful news that we rejoice in. So how is it that that happens? There is a wonderful psalm found in Psalm 32. I'd like you to turn to in your Bible. If you did not bring a Bible, there's some provided for you around here. And uh, I know that, you know, probably a third of us have brought in an electronic Bible. Maybe it's on your phone or your, your iPad, whatever you brought. And we're going to turn to Psalm 32. And if you need direction, somebody to help you out, ask somebody around you. There's a table of contents and the Bible's provided for you in front of you. Psalm 32. And I'm going to read this. And as I do, I'm going to encourage you with this question. It's a question that I asked some of our pastors and our elder team this week on Tuesday, and just how oh, we just had great discussion around it. Can you remember a season of your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, where you experienced the forgiveness of God and the joy that it produced? What was happening there? Maybe there was a, a, a place in your life that you held on to for a long time and you didn't want it to expose it to God or other people, but then you did. You came clean, and you experienced the joy of that cleanness. Can you remember that? It was designed for you to acknowledge and to appreciate how good the mercies of God are. So I'm going to read Psalm 32, and I want you to be asking and remembering that, what I've just asked. I remember a season where you experienced the joy, and perhaps you never have. And if you've never experienced the joy of the Lord, how good it is, this morning, maybe for the very first time, you can experience it by just simply getting authentic, honest before God. And wouldn't that be sweet to experience it? Psalm 32, many of you are reading it in the ESV, the English Standard Version, and that's great. Um, I'm going to read it in a different version. We don't usually do this, but this version, I think, really captures the original language in a contemporary way. That will help you. So read along in the ESV and you'll hear um, a few of the different phrases in the New Living Translation. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. That's really clear. It's on you. You disobeyed, but is forgiven. Whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. 
Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Isn't that familiar language, is it? Many sorrows will come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Isn't that a fantastic scripture? I love the end of it. Shout for joy, all you who have experienced Matthew 5.8, the pure in heart. You've experienced purity, so just let it out. Experience it, how good it is, how right and healthy to not live under the, the weight of our guilt and our shame, but to experience the purity of the Lord. Oh, just enjoy that. My family has a dog. Her name is Snickers. My kids gave it the name. And um, one of her great delights in life is to run. She loves to run. And uh, so I took her out on another run on Friday morning. We went out in the hills. And uh, she loves to run where she can just get out and just go crazy by herself. And, and one, of her, one of the things she also loves to do is to get really muddy. She, if she can find mud, if she can find anything to get dirty, that's, that's a delight for her. And she just gets really, really muddy. And I've learned to take a, a, a towel along with me. Usually we drive to this place and we go running and come back and she's a mess. And I don't want her, you know, totally thrashing the car. So I, I try to get her, uh, you know, as much as I can to mud off and put another towel on the seat so she can sit up there and we drive home. But when we get home, she's not really fully clean, is she? She's just been, God, the mud's been dried into her a little bit. So she really needs to get clean before she can get in the house. Otherwise, she's going to get in trouble by mom and by me and everybody that doesn't want her house being thrashed by her because she tracks it all over the place. That's us. We track our sin and the mark of our junk all over the place. We are in need, Scripture tells us, of turning to the Lord and getting clean. And getting clean can be a really, really good thing. Maybe you've thought about getting clean in your life, but you have been slow to do that because you feel like, oh man, I'm just going to do 15 spiritual exercises and I don't want the hassle of that. But you've never honestly or truly felt what it's like to be authentic before God and to experience wholeness and healing that only turning to him and confession can bring. And this morning, I want you to hear it strongly into your life. There's great joy in getting clean. There's great joy in that. Here's some of the reasons why. First, if I'm living 
with sin in my life, it's going to produce guilt. That's one of the things we've talked about the last few weeks, that there is guilt, and, and God can use the tool of guilt in me to draw him back to himself. Or I can refuse that and live with guilt buried inside of my life or denied or blamed on somebody else, and that will eat me up. It will destroy my confidence because it debases me, my sin does, and it creates insecurity inside of me because I know that my relationship with God is not, is not right. It's unhealthy. I haven't dealt with my sin. God, God hasn't really drawn close to me because I've separated myself from God. And guilt sabotages my relationships. It, it can produce, of all kinds of other things, anger inside of me toward others, and I track that. I um, went to lunch a couple days ago over at Chipotle. You know the one in Paseo Padre that a parking lot at lunchtime can get really crazy busy. And so I, um, I pull in and I'm looking for a spot and um, I do what I sometimes do. I wait for someone to come out and they start walking there. So I'm tracking them, you know, and, and uh, I stop in front and I, and, um, I wait for them and they're like, I don't know what they're doing, put on makeup or doing, they're doing this, like, I'm waiting and waiting, you know, but I'm patient. Other people see me waiting for them. And so they pull around other people going back and forth and they, they see that I'm waiting for this spot. Finally, a person pulls out and just as I'm about to go in this spot, this person, you know what's going to happen, right? You've had this happen. This guy zooms in, this guy's, this couple who are in their like mid seventies and they, they like sort of jam in my spot. And I'm like, what? So I, I pull a Tony. I, I get out of my car. You know what I'm saying? So I, I get out of my car and I'm going to say, excuse me, sir. I've been waiting for that for a few minutes. I'm not, I'm, I'm under control. Yeah, I have a lost control. And I, and I get out of my car and go, sir. And I go to say, sir. And the guy looks at me with this death stare. I don't know why. And he throws his car in reverse and screeches out and he comes at me with his car. And I jump out of the way and now all of a sudden people are looking. And I'm like, sir, really? That's all I said? I promise you, there's nothing unwholesome that came out of my mouth. <laughs> and he rolls down his window and he just launches into this, you blankety, blankety, blank, blank, blank. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, I'm going to just deck you right now. <laughs> no. No, actually, I didn't do that because I was thinking about what would happen because everyone's got phones now today. What do you think? <laughs> pastor on Twitter going viral, right? <laughs> You're just thinking that. So I held back and I was like, wow, really? And then he pulls out of there and he like peels out of the parking lot and people are like, wow. And I'm thinking, wow, where did that come from? I was just waiting for a parking space for a burrito. That's all I was doing. And this guy just went off. Something else was going on in that guy's life. I don't know what it was, but Something drove him to that place that was bigger than just a parking space. That anger just, just came out of him and spilled out all over. And that's what happens with our guilt. It, it, it finds unhealthy releases like that. And guilt can torpedo my growth. It can stop me from any kind of growth because I'm looking at the past, struggling with my guilt and not looking forward to where God wants to take me. It can trap me. And to illustrate that, we've got a short video for you to watch. Uh, 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 really? Why? 
wonderful idea. I got a bad feeling about this. The walls are moving. Don't just stand there. Try and brace it with something. some problems. Will you shut up and listen to me? Shut down all the garbage masses on the detention level, will you? Do you copy? Shut down all the garbage masses on the detention the illustration thinking about how young they looked in there. That Wookiee looked young, didn't they? But here's the deal. Guilt squeezes in on us. It traps us. It crushes us. Nothing we can do in and of our own strength will resolve that. But God can step in, and he's much more effective than some kind of robot to step in to our guilt and bring us to a place of salvation, rescue from our weight than the things that crush us with his mercy. See, mercy is just the opposite of guilt. The mercies of God, which are new every day, they're just the opposite of this crushing weight of my sin because mercy restores my confidence. It brings joy into my life and, and renews my purpose to live. Mercy restores my relationships. I understand that I can find healing and hope and wholeness when God brings forgiveness into my life. And that's so good. And there's hope for my other broken relationships because of the mercies of God. And mercy, God's mercy, it leads to growth. Didn't you love June's testimony last week? For those of you who are here with us, you got the privilege of hearing a, a young lady of 82 talk about how God had been at work in her life. She's, her, um, her story just kind of spelled out with joy, didn't it? And what God had been doing in her life because she had been experiencing and still experiencing the mercies of God in her life. And that's the Lord's design for each and every one of us. It's no different, no distinct. There's no giant heroes of the faith and other people that'll never get there. It's that those people who have experienced the mercies of the Lord experienced great joy and purpose and direction in life. So how do you get there? How do you experience that? First, you must openly examine and confess failures and sin. You have to get authentic. Here's how John writes about it in 1 John, verses 8 through 10. 
1 John, verses 8 through 10, say this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you came this morning and you said, not, not me, this is a great message for my wife to hear, then you've deceived yourself. It's on you. You'll never experience the joy of the Lord that he has to give to you, and you will be living not in the truth, but in deception. That's what sin does to us. It deceives us, and we're fools. But the call of God in your life is to live in the truth. If we confess our sins, that is to get honest, to name them, and to seek forgiveness, the mercy of God, he, God, is faithful That is, he will always do it consistently, every time. The first time, the tenth time, and even for Jack, the thousandth time. Right, Jack? All his life, he's experienced the mercies of God. And we, man, we would be desperate and broken without it. Right? He's faithful, and he's just. See, um, the payment for your sin... Is not something that you can do. But in the justice of God, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to pay the price. That's the justice of God. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to remember what it costs for the Lord God to give you mercy and forgiveness. The death of his own son on a cross, his broken body, that's the bread, his shed blood, his, his life given, so that we might have the joy of the Lord, that we might experience wholeness and cleansing. That's the justice of God. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from every speck of dirt. Those of you parents know that when you're first teaching your kids how to, how to wash, they don't really usually get it. They need a, a second time sometimes, right? Because they haven't got behind their ears or wherever, right? And they come out, and you're like, no, no, no. Like, let's get it all. Well, the thing about the Lord's washing is it's thorough. It's complete. It's whole. There's not one bed of place in your life that it doesn't reach into and provide healing and wholeness to. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. We say, not. that's not my issue. Then we've said, no, God, you're lying. Because God has said, no, everyone has sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. But you, if you just turn to him, can find healing. So you've got to openly examine yourself, confess before him. Now, there's, um, there's a couple ways not to do this, a couple spectrums. First, what I kind of call the quickie prayer, which is, oh, I've done something wrong. Oh, God, sorry about that, and go on our way. You know what I'm talking about? Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, but there hasn't really been true turning toward God. That's repentance and really seeking the mercies of God. It's just, cover that, would you please? I've got to do my own thing. That's not really confession, not biblical confession. Confession means, man, just turning to the Lord with a broken heart. God, I want to seek you. Please clean this area of my life. And then on the other side, there's this crazy pattern that some people have of thinking they're going to earn God's favor with crazy penance. And you've seen people do all kinds of wild things to try to earn the forgiveness of God, whipping their backs open and doing wild things. It's not that either because it's not our work 
that saves us and rescues us and brings wholeness and healing to us, that frees us from guilt and shame. It is the mercies of God. It's a gift. The mercies of God. All he's calling for from us is authenticity before himself. Forgiveness is completely his own action. So how do you do this? Let me give you some helpful steps. And um, these aren't activities to earn God's favor, right? It's all his work. But here's the first thing that hopefully will be a help to you. Take a moral inventory. If you're reading through Life's Healing Choices, that book, it's found on page 116. There's an inventory just to help you, a guide to help you along. If you're doing that in your small groups, that's, take a look at it. But if you don't have the book, that's okay. Take some time this week and just quietly say, God, what's going on really truly with my heart? How, how's that affecting me? How's it affecting other people? Search me, O oh God, as David writes, and know my heart, know my ways. What's going on with me, Lord? Because what I really want is purity. Take a moral inventory. And that's going to lead you someplace to the realization that there's stuff still to be dealt with between you and the Lord. So ask his forgiveness. He's faithful and just. He loves to do it and forgive you, forgive me. So seek his forgiveness. And when you do, don't bargain. Don't say, um, God, if you just forgive me, you know, then uh, let me make a deal with you, okay? If you just forgive me, then it's just this one time, you know, and I'll, I won't do it again. Because you know, you probably will do it again, right? His mercies are eternal. They don't end. So don't bargain. And don't try to bribe God as if he needs something more. <laughs> That's not who God is, by the way. But don't say, God, if you'll forgive me for this one thing, one more time, then... I'll go to church three times this month or I'll do, you know, whatever spiritual exercise. Don't do that. Just be honest before him who loves you as, as a father loves to just embrace you and bring you home and to clean you. Here's the nature of God's forgiveness. He forgives instantly, right? As soon as I ask, as soon as I turn to him, boom, okay. You're forgiven. Isn't that sweet? You, you're forgiven. You're forgiven for your issue that, of unforgiveness or bitterness. You're forgiven for that issue of lust. You're forgiven for that issue of addiction. You're forgiven for that gossip. You're forgiven for your long list. You're forgiven instantly. Second, you're forgiven freely. There's nothing you can do. It's free. That's grace, right? And you're forgiven completely, entirely, wholly. So turn to the Lord, honest confession, get authentic with him. That's the, more, um, that's the easier place to go. But there's, there's one more thing I want you to seriously consider. To don't just stop with that kind of confession, but to be authentic with people around you. And to admit your fault, to your sin, to one another. That's that, that passage in James that most of us hate, right? You know what I'm talking about, James 5, 16. Let me turn there. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there. James 
5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. It's not confess to a priest or confess to whatever. Confess it in the family of God to people, to one another. And pray for one another. Don't just leave it at that. Actually, pray for each other, for your wholeness and healing and health with each other. Be more than just a casual sit in the pew and leave person. Be a person who enters into the depth of community with each other. And pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at his is working. Great power to release you, to heal you, to bring wholeness into you. So who should you do this with? Just anybody? No. That's, that's not wise, is it? First, let me just offer some suggestions to people to actually go to and to own who you are before them. Confess to someone you know and trust, not just anyone, but someone who's trustworthy, who's going to keep things confidential. Confess to someone who understands the power of what you're doing together and the power of the family of God and, and how you can mutually confess to one another, it says, and to pray for each other. Confess to someone who is mature enough, someone who is mature enough to hear it and not stumble in your own sin, not be tempted by what you're sharing with them. And confess to someone who will speak truth and grace to you, who will not let you off the hook, and not say, ah, it's not a big deal. Let me tell you what I did. That's not so good, <laughs> right? Confess someone and say, no, actually, um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And uh, I know it's going to destroy you if we don't step in this together. Let's get right and whole and clean before the Lord. And someone who's going to speak grace, not judgment, because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? <laughs> There's no condemnation. So this isn't about that or judgment. It's about grace. I want you to do that. Ha <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, don't you? All right, right now. You shouldn't just wait. You should do it and act on it so that you can experience the, the joy of the Lord, his forgiveness. We're going to enter into a time of communion. 1 Corinthians 11 actually calls us to prepare our hearts for communion by entering into confession authentic honesty before the Lord and to make sure we're right with other people. So we want to be faithful to scripture and to get right with him. We're going to just take some moments of reflection and time and as we do, Stephen's going to come, one of our elders, Stephen Ray, is going to come and lead us. We're going to consider um, words of Psalm 51 and then just think about the joy of the Lord and how good it would be to be pure before him and then receive communion. Stephen, come lead us, please. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at 
www.bridgescc.org.